Welcome everyone to the Berkeley Center for Law and Technology's Expert Series podcast. I'm the Executive Director of BCLT, Wayne Stacy. Recently, there's been significant criticism of tech companies and a lot of call for government regulation, especially in the area of data privacy. Depending on who you ask, tech companies are either out of control or they're being unfairly blamed for the behavior of their users. So the question is, where is tech policy going and what is a healthy way to analyze these options? To guide us through this important discussion today, we have one of the nation's leading experts on tech policy development. Stuart Brokman, he's professor of media management and law at the University of Tennessee, a distinguished fellow at the Media Institute and not a prerequisite for being on the BCLT podcast, but definitely a nice ad. He's a Berkeley law grad. So Stuart, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Wayne. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, Stuart, I, I want to just start at the, the, the highest level possible. You know, a lot of times when we talk about tech policy and tech regulation, people just immediately jump into the minutia. But at, at a 30,000 foot level, tell us how effective the tech industry has been in helping to shape the, the digital privacy policy at the national level. Well, I think a lot of it has been reactive. It'd be somewhat critical, I would say, and this is not different than virtually every other industry that operates in Washington. Typically, it operates reflect, uh, reflexively, meaning that it waits for Congress to take a lead in an area and then offers some pushback. Uh, I think the tech area is quite different just because it's so dynamic and developments happen so quickly that Congress clearly is not in the position to have an overall framework for tech policy. And often it needs to be educated and guided by the industry first. So I think there needs to be a much better interplay. Uh, if you wanted to think of it as being proactive versus reactive, uh, I would say at a 30,000 foot level, my perception is that I think the tech policy area has been quite uh, reactive, and certainly the industry has great lobbying resources, but I think most of them have been directed at how to react to specific developments as opposed to this much larger area. Here's why it's important from a political standpoint. As we all saw the election returns from this week and where the tea leaves seem to be guiding us, uh, it, it looks highly likely that we are going to not have a unified White House, House, and Senate under Democratic control uh, beginning in 2023. And obviously, 2022 is an election year. Uh, what that means is that I think many of the themes and perspectives can change quite dramatically. And if I were to have one 30,000-foot recommendation for the tech policy community, it's to begin to think of strategic areas of development in the new Congress, in the 118th Congress. Uh, and at this point, I think it's safe to say there probably is not going to be any federal privacy legislation that will be enacted in the 117th Congress. And it doesn't look like the Biden administration is going to be pushing any specific legislation. So that means that we're going to be deferring this for at least another year or beyond. 
And that gives the tech industry a really good opportunity to step back, perhaps take a reset and begin to think more strategically. So Stuart, if we look at a historical view, I'm curious to how the, the tech industry, their approach differs at the federal level and at the state level, because we've seen California, Illinois, put in pretty interesting and well thought out laws related to, to privacy and biometric data protection. What's happening at the state level, it's not happening at the federal level. Well, obviously, at the federal level, we have a number of issues that are truly federal or federal state tension issues. One of them obviously deals with preemption. And so the Congress needs to deal with how it's going to react to laws like the California laws and other state laws, such as the one in Maine. Uh, are they going to preempt them? Are they going to create an environment which allows uh, essentially dual jurisdiction or overlapping jurisdiction in this area? So that, that makes the federal perspective quite different than what's hap happening in the individual states. The other area, obviously, is antitrust enforcement. And although we have state antitrust enforcement, most of the activities at the federal level. And so one of the points of contention, which continues, is to what extent there are going to be private rights of action under any privacy legislation enacted by Congress, or whether or not that would be either limited or prohibited. And so those are areas that I think are particular in the federal domain, which are not in the state domain. Focusing on the, the federal domain, you've given us a time frame that the tech companies have to, to act within. What would you recommend they do to help rebalance the, the policymaking approach for privacy? Well, I think to some extent, and obviously a lot of this has been driven by the GDPR. So the GDPR obviously is what I call a uh, heavy stick approach. Mainly, there's a lot of compliance and there are penalties and, and some of the state regulation, including California's, uh, resembles the GDPR. That's not to say that any federal legislation is not going to have uh, penalties and enforcement. But I think, again, there can and should be some type of rebalancing in the discussion. I call it a carrot and stick approach. And so virtually none of the discussion so far has really focused on carrots. Most of it is focused on how do we take tech companies and punish them and essentially hold them to standards that are going to be developed by the government rather than by the industry. And as we know, given the lag between what tech is doing from a development standpoint and what government can do from a regulatory standpoint, it's going to be very difficult for the federal government or any government to come up with these type of technical standards. So I think what we need to have are some incentives that are built in to any policymaking and particularly legislation that essentially gives tech policy or tech companies the opportunity to uh, continue to innovate in the data privacy area and, and rewards them for it as opposed to merely punishes them. It seems that the world is, is rapidly moving toward sticks. When you look at GDPR, 
You look at California, you look at the new rules coming out of China. Uh, they all come with increasing degrees of nasty enforcement. When we talk about carrots, I mean, it, sounds, it sounds interesting. What specifically can we put out there as a carrot? Well, the first thing is tax policy. Obviously, we have fairly well-established tax policy, a series of legislative acts that have been done relatively recently, including the PATH Act of 2015 and the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. What this means is the federal government is expanding uh, R&D incentives. And I think what the tech policy community needs to begin to have the conversation about is how privacy fits into the R&D framework. So uh, an obvious carrot here would be uh, R&D tax credits. And it's unclear at this point whether or not federal government understands enough about how privacy by design works and what sort of R&D is necessary to create appropriate software, algorithms, protocols for privacy by design. And then, of course, the second step would be to recognize that within the framework of R&D tax credits. So that would be a terrific first step for a carrot approach to digital privacy policy. Let me give you another example, which is uh, antitrust immunity. Obviously, we have a lot of conversations these days in Washington and elsewhere about uh, beginning to control big tech companies through greater antitrust enforcement. That's fine, but to some extent, it conflates the issue of privacy with antitrust enforcement. I think they needed, need to be separated somewhat. So, so right now, many of the big tech companies by the antitrust laws are restricted from sitting down and coming up with some of these privacy by design approaches that could be implemented on an industry-wide basis. And obviously that would be highly beneficial, not just for the industry, but for the public at large. The big barrier obviously is antitrust. And so if there were some type of limited antitrust immunity, and that could be done for the specific purpose of privacy by design, for example, it could be done within a specific uh, framework of time. And you don't need legislation for that. You basically need the Department of Justice to issue a letter saying we are allowing these companies to sit down. Some people may say, well, we could do that because we have trade associations. And the whole purpose of the trade association, obviously, is to help uh, insulate this antitrust issue. I think trade associations are useful, but I don't think they're the end result of what would be a good level of privacy by design, because trade associations, again, focus on specific legislative provisions that are being considered. They're there to lobby. They are not necessarily having all of the engineering people sit down in the same room and begin to figure out effective privacy by design protocols. So that's where antitrust immunity Again, limited antitrust immunity for a specific purpose, but again, quite easy. All you really need to do is to have the Department of Justice uh, draft a letter that indicates the contours of what that would be. So how do your two carrots fit in with uh, the rest of the world moving toward the, the big stick approach? 
Well, I think the United States can be a leader. We're the tech leader. Obviously, we have the dominant tech companies here. And so, uh, you know, I, I think if the United States stepped up and began to exercise leadership, I think also when you look at the GDPR, so the GDPR uh, in Article 25, for example, has this provision about privacy by design, but it's so ambiguous and so difficult to implement. I don't think the Europeans are saying, wow, this is something that we can enforce through regulation, because I think even the Europeans recognize that because of technological development, it's very difficult for the government essentially to sit down and set the standards for what's going to be appropriate. Well, if you look at the local level and the time frame you've got in mind before Congress probably will be in a position to act, what can the tech industry be doing to help promote this type of rebalancing that, that you're advocating for? Well, sometimes uh, saying the words helps. So sometimes if the tech industry began to speak about carrots and sticks, I think that resonates with legislators. And particularly, again, if we have a movement from a Democratic Congress to Republican Congress, I think uh, the Republicans tend to be uh, more favorable to thinking about issues like innovation and the private sector and how do we create these type of incentives. So this is, a, I think, a natural conversation that could begin to take place. But I think before you have that conversation, I think the tech industry writ large needs to become internally comfortable with the notion and be able to articulate it and then begin to have those discussions as, again, we have some of these political changes taking place at the congressional level. Well, Stuart, I want to thank you for your time today. This is a, is a great new approach for, for people to start considering. And I suspect you and I will be talking about this again in the near future. I hope so. It's been great speaking with you.